Hello, this is your host, Cheryl C. Jones, with a warning. This podcast contains true stories of individual genius that may inspire you to take action in your own life. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Getting the Best Results podcast, where each week we talk about shortcuts or techniques that will help you get the best results in life and business. It's all about learning a new method or approach, or possibly an insight or an idea that will contribute to your life in a positive way. I'm your host, Cheryl Jones. I'm an author, facilitator, professional speaker. My focus is on helping individuals and small businesses break through their common thinking to create bigger, bolder, better results. You can find me at simplythebestresults.com, where you will also find lots of helpful resources to break through. Let's get on with this week's show. This week, I have the pleasure of having Sarah Russell with me. Sarah has an incredible career that she has come through. Her career began in the financial sector, where she excelled as a leadership trainer and eventually a learning project manager for a Fortune 100 global initiative. After 14 years, she left to tackle life on her own terms, yet was still drawn to the realm of human performance and adult learning. No matter what the topic is, she loves digging into the humanistic challenges that we all face in order to rise above and break through complacency by reengaging our power, passion, and peace. Nowadays, she helps companies from Fortune 200 to national nonprofits and local organizations and has expanded her experience to include industries in tech, real estate, publishing, community service, health, recruiting, as well as oil and gas. Her mission is to help conscientious companies support their employees in resolving dysfunctional workplace relationships so they can best deliver on promises to each other, their clients, and ultimately the world. Please help me welcome Ms. Sarah Russell. Welcome, Sarah. Well, thank you so much, Cheryl. It's a delight to be here. I'm so glad you're here. Well, you and I have something in common when it comes to those humanistic challenges that we all have that sometimes we have difficulty rising above. And then when you get into the whole dysfunctional workplace thing, oh, I totally, that's totally my, that's my jam, as you put it. I've heard you use that word, my jam. And, uh, you know, this is a a exciting conversation, I can, I can tell. Definitely. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm a little curious because you have I, – I, I know a little bit about your history and because we've been friends for a while, and I want to know if you'd be willing to tell us just a little bit about your leap from corporate environment to doing things on your own terms and a little sabbatical type thing you took. I'm kind of throwing you a curveball here because – I don't think you knew I was going to ask that question, but okay. maybe maybe know where I'm going with the two-letter <laughs> mini wheels involved item. Right. That's what saying, happened? Yes. Capital that, capital R capital V. <laughs> as in victory? Uh, yes. As in vehicle? Yes. That would be the oh. story. So I think you know oh. that is. Um, 
you're a very interesting person. And this is one of the things that I think is super interesting. And then I want to get into all the other questions I have. But I would love to know about that jump from corporate environment to the RV. Right. So as (laughs) is often the case in life, there can be some event that – kind of throws you forward, catapults you in unexpected directions. And for me, that was a personal event that was um, the D word. And so um, my husband had asked uh, for a divorce, and it was, you know, it's all good now, of course, but it kind of threw me at the time. And not having children, here's what I would liken it to. Um, I felt like Julia Roberts in that movie Runaway Bride where she likes the same eggs as every single man she's dating. And at the end of the movie, you know, spoiler alert, I'm going to give it away, people. Um, At the end of the movie, you find her in the kitchen and she's made every kind of egg she can think of. There's scrambled, there's poached, there's fried, and she is sitting there to figure out what she likes, right? So Mm. after... um, after my divorce, I literally feel like it was like six months every day looking in the mirror going, who are you? What do you want? What's next? Is this all there is? Because for me, once the title wife was removed kind of like from above my head, like, it, you know, it was, it was mm-hmm. a label. It was an identity. Once that was removed, all of a sudden I felt compelled to start asking myself, if if the other labels that I had up there made sense anymore. And so fast forward to my very first vacation on my, on my own. And my mother sent me with a book um, that had me do an exercise where it was essentially, you know, it was like a bucket list kind of, kind of exercise, I guess. And after I wrote it, you know, and I had some fun with it, I was like, well, does it have to be fantasy or can I do this? Like what's possible? And so I, I I revisited the list and I was like, what, what would bring me the most joy? And the, the most joy that I found in this really cool list was to hang out with my mom more. Um, She's Mm. a wise woman. And, um, but there was a, there was a problem with this. Mom was a full-time RVer. And so only way to hang out with her was to join her. (laughs) I got it. Yeah. So that was the leap. That was that was how I got there. Wow. And and how long were you a full time RVer? Two and a half years. Wow. And where did you go? I know. Well, first, um, well, okay. First, I had to buy a bigger RV than Mom's because hers was like a tin can, and that was not going to work. So <laughs> that's one actual, you know, accommodations. And then she and I made a plan for six months. We, I was currently living in Richmond, Virginia, and she was up in Maryland. Um, uh, her, uh, her, her lifestyle was that she would work at a campground with, um, with gardens and somebody had kind of adopted her. So she kept going back there every season. When her season came to an end, she said, I could pick her up and I was allowed to keep her for six months until it was growing <laughs> season again. And I had to bring her back. So we went, um, from Maryland, and we just kind of we essentially went west. And there were a couple things that I had mapped out that I really wanted to do, and she added a few things along the way. Um, so Kentucky, I'd never been through Kentucky before. Um, went to the the Derby racetrack. Uh, we went to um, 
the International Hot Air Balloon Festival in Albuquerque, New Mexico. That was That's really cool. Fun. Oh, that's fabulous. We I've went, seen it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right? Then mm-hmm. we meandered over to the Colorado Springs, Denver area, and that was we just, you know, we did some spiritual things along the way, um, and so we we had a cool experience there with a um, what would she call herself? I think she would call herself something like a horse healer. Um, she used horses to help you work through some deeper emotional issues. Um, so that was kind of interesting. We made our way all the way over to California. We were in San Diego during Christmas, and that was gorgeous. I had never spent time there. Um, loved parking like on the beach. Like who gets to do that, you know? And like throw open your door, and there's the Pacific Ocean right there. So wow, that was six months. And then, um, well, coming back, we I, I had to return her. And uh, once once I got her back, you know, my actually my manager um, where I've been working at Capital One had been keeping an eye on me on Facebook, and I was like, so I see you're headed this direction. Should I be looking for a job? What's happening? And uh, man, once I got that freedom in my blood, that um, I just it just got it just it just got it it crept into my soul and my spirit, and I could not fathom having a typical corporate job. And I loved corporate America. I loved it. I thrived there. Um, mm. But I I just turned a, turned a corner and I couldn't seem to go back. So I, I kept going. I actually upgraded my RV. Um, and then it was just me and my dogs for the next two years. And we putzed around and we'd kind of hang out a little bit longer in places. I'd, I'd go places where I had friends. My best friend lived in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. So I'd hang out there for like four months. And then I'd meander. Like I went to Maine for the summer. Oh, man, if we all had that ability, Maine would not be so quaint anymore because it was fantastic. <laughs> Says the woman be overrun. Texas yeah. now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. That uh, I think that's phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, that you really looked to see what it was that would feed your soul, and then ran with it. You know, I think mm-hmm. there's probably a lot of people who would like to do that. So, y'all, if you if you're if that you're interested, Sarah Russell is the person to talk to <laughs> because she could give you all the ins and outs on it. I got the but tips, I, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I couldn't go without asking more about that because, or asking about that because, you know, I I know that I feel like it's probably informed you in a lot of ways in terms of your growth and your confidence and your self, um, you know, self-esteem as well as, is just your attitude of, of, you know, let's take charge and make something happen. And I, I noticed those, those things about you. And, you know, I'm wondering, you know, I just named off a whole bunch of wonderful things about you, but, you know, I'm wondering if there's a skill or a characteristic that has really helped you get the best, re- you know, the best results in your life or in business or whatever. And I haven't even come, you know, I haven't even brought you back around from the RV to you. Be- <laughs> we'll have to wrap back around <laughs> to that so we can find out how did she get to that from there to here. So, but I'm curious, just, you know, looking at skills and characteristics what are what are the things that that gave you the confidence and, and the the ability or whatever it was that to take those yeah. kinds of things on because you've been very successful in everything that you've yeah. touched. Yeah, that's interesting um, because I think 
a lot of people would say, gosh, I could never do that, right? I, I, I could mm-hmm. never go trace across the country and something. And, and so I have thought about what, what enabled me or formed me to be the person who could. And it, and let's be clear, like I was scared. I, I, it, it wasn't like a easy choice that I just, you know, ran with. I still went through my pros and cons and everything. But if I had to narrow it down, I, I'd probably still have to say there's two things that I think really influenced me and continue to influence me. One is a book that my mom turned me on to after the, my parents went through a divorce. I was 14-ish, somewhere around there, and she gave me Norman Vincent Peale's book um, called The Power of Positive Thinking. And I remember um, because of the divorce with my parents, there's a, there's a lot of uh, – that's when things – we began moving a lot. Um, and I was heartbroken when I had to leave um, uh, a teacher, one of my favorite teachers. So this book, The Power of Positive Thinking, opened me up to – the concept of visualization um, and how you can, in your mind's eye, put together a picture that feels good and you can bring in the layers of what you see and what you feel. Um, and I, I distinctly remember uh, <laughs> this image. I haven't thought about this in a long time. I, In my mind's eye, I returned to Cary, North Carolina, where we had been living, where we were about to move away from, so I was sad. And I returned to it as an adult in a red convertible car. It was wintertime, and I put the top down and sat in the parking lot of the condo complex that we lived in when, when we were there. And, and I remember my, in my vision, you know, I just was remembering all the good times and the memories and the family stuff. And then I went and found the grave of my favorite teacher, because apparently in my head he would have passed away, which is terrible, but there you go. And I brought mm-hmm. this red rose to his grave site and just thanked him for being yeah. a father figure during my divorce and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sharing this unexpectedly, but because it came to fruition. I actually did this um, with my husband before we got divorced, and don't you know, he had a red convertible Miata. And no kidding. <laughs> yeah, so we went back to the, to the neighborhood, to, to the condo place, not, not the, um, the grave. I, I, I couldn't track down the teacher. So mm-hmm. happily, I'm hoping he was fine. Um, but that, I mean, at age 14, when you're going through peer pressure and the body is changing and you doubt yourself, Having something like that to anchor into my mindset, that has lasted a long, long time. And then on the heels of that, I mean, I have to thank my mom for providing that book because then she just moved us all over the place. Like, I went to four high schools in three states. That's Holy cow. not fun. No. Fun, man. You got a group of friends? Wow. Good for you. Now you got to leave them. And, oh, by the way, there is no Facebook. So if nobody wants to write, you're hosed oh. because your parents certainly aren't going to pay for long distance. Yes, people, it was a thing. <laughs> yeah, we had to pay for long distance. I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And if you lived where I did, then there was a party line, so you had to take turns. But, Woo-hoo! you know, other people, other people were using the same phone line you were. Uh, and, it hung, right. and it hung on the wall. Right, right. You could yeah. not walk away. But you, if you had a 20-foot cord, man, that was living the life because you could shut doors. It was. <laughs> yeah, but wow. I have to say that, that influenced the heck out of me because, you know, in your teen years, 
um, again, I mean, hard, but I learned how to blend in. I learned how to flex. I learned uh, skills that nobody would ever teach me, but it became a survival mechanism for just learning how to read the room. Literally, first day of school always seemed to be the second semester. So everybody's coming back in the middle of the school year, and this new girl with his crazy curly hair shows up, and you've got to figure out, okay, do I take that desk? Well, they look creepy. Or do I take that desk? (laughs) (laughs) And it determines who you become friends with, who you sit at lunch with. And so that has served me so well as a trainer, as a speaker, um, Mm. as someone who walks into new and uncomfortable situations just feeling the butterflies and not running away from it. That's cool. So so what I hear you saying is really there's two things. One is this, it's kind of a um, mindset anchoring thing uh, when you use visualization to, to create your safe place or I, I made that up. You didn't say that, but, you know, in terms yeah, of the anchor. And then the second mm-hmm. one is this, this fitting in or flexing to, to any environment and being okay in that environment. Maybe the first one, the visualization of that, of that anchoring event is what allows you to flex and bend and I, be okay in those environments. Yeah, I think so. And, and that, and I think it even went so deep in me and, and was, again, influenced by my mother, right, who always would help me find the positive side. So what I began to learn was that it was not to fear the unknown because I was always okay. I always came out mm. okay. I might not have liked it. <laughs> I, might not, I might have come home crying a few times, right? But, but I, I was always okay, and I'd find a friend, and, and then I'd mm-hmm. find some joy there. So no lie. Uh, when I was married, I, I once upon a time asked my husband to, I was encouraging him to join the military because I wanted to move every three years because I became so um, accustomed uh-huh. to the the excitement of a new place. Whereas I've got a, a very close friend of mine who's struggling to move from the city she was born, raised in, went to college, but came back kind of thing. And I'm, mm. I'm like, whoa. So it's, you know, we're all different and our influences our experiences absolutely um color our lives mm-hmm. how fun is that i think it's absolutely fun <laughs> well and i and i'm i i see you using those skill sets today although you know the visualization thing is very personal but i do see when i see you in groups i see that you flex and and blend in very easily and and tell me more about how you how that supported you having that skill set has supported you in doing the work you're doing today yeah yeah well if i carry the same theme if i think first about the mindset um well i kind of mentioned already it it it, i just assume things will work out um Uh and and they tend to right now Mm -hmm. that has hurt me in some ways um in case there's any other pollyannas out there it can hurt you in that people think you don't take things seriously. Like you seem too um, uh, laissez-faire about it, right? It's like, do you even care, Sarah? And I'm like, mm-hmm. of course I care, but it, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, so 
it helped me in a lot of ways, but sometimes it's hurt me. And, and I think now, I mean, if I, if I were really honest with myself, I don't think I'm quite as optimistic as I used to be. And I think that is probably just because I'm learning or I have learned or I've been conditioned to dampen it a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. not be that, I mean, I just called it Pollyanna for anybody who thinks this way, right? And why is that a bad thing? I think it's fantastic. So it can hurt, it can hurt me and it can, it can help me, right? Um, yeah. Depending on which choice I decide to make. Um, but for the other one, the flexing, um, it was, it, it too was really hard for a long time. Uh, I think everything, there's always a, a pot, like the positive side of one coin. If you flip that coin over, there's a, an opposite side, right? And so that's kind of what I think I'm describing here. But for the flexing, mm-hmm. the, the hard part was that I didn't understand it. I couldn't uh. put it to words. No, I didn't go through a class called How to Be Relevant with Strangers, <laughs> How to Find Common Ground. How what a great course. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so without having, doggone it, a label, I hate labels, but there it is, uh, without <laughs> having a label to point to when I was going through management courses and being groomed to, to grow at Capital One, you know, I'd have like a skip level with with my manager's boss and he'd ask me questions and he'd say, well, so how did you come to that assessment? And I'm like, uh, uh, just, you know, popped in my head, like, felt right. Felt right <laughs> so intuitively. I, yeah, yeah, it was it was tough. Um, but once I learned kind of the, the the strength of it, even though I couldn't articulate it, I I I realized like I've got some like some some kind of magical abilities, um, and I started leaning into it and accepting it, and I would just state. Um, I have very strong intuition, and it um, it is almost always accurate. And I would just own it. That was a game changer for me. And it wasn't so much a game changer in corporate America because I was really coming into it right then, right about when I, I left. Um, but it mm-hmm. definitely was a game changer as an entrepreneur because, whew, if you want some personal growth, go out and start your own business. And uh, you need a game changer on your side. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, so in terms of um, what you're doing now and, and yeah. owning your own business, how have you evolved and what, what's taken place? Oh, so much. Um, <laughs> okay, so I, I started after I journeyed around for a little bit, like it's probably about, about a year or so, and money was starting to go, you know, south, and I was like, uh-oh, and a friend called me and said, hey, I know you're loving your life, but I'm working here, and we really need someone with your expertise to help us on this project, and you can be anywhere as long as you have internet, and you can pick your own hours, and here's the pay, and I was like, well, hot dog, here we go, so... I was contracting. I guess I would say I was an independent contractor. Um, And I had never owned my business or a business. So I didn't didn't know anything other than to accept this contract work. And I kind of of fell into the trap of, like, being their employee. They'd have a project. They'd say, hey, can you help us with this? And my answer was always yes. Um, And then I was at their 
I became at their beck and call, you know, and mm-hmm. I flipped through the same behaviors I had in corporate America, which was working like a banshee um, because I didn't have any anything else to, you know, occupy my time, especially now that I was single. And that lasted for like way too long, way too long. Um, and then when I met this fabulous man that I am now married to, um, <laughs> who his first job, his first making money was like in, I don't know, he was like seven or eight years old. And he never stopped. So he's like a serial entrepreneur, right? So I'm on this one side trying to inch my way over to being an entrepreneur. He doesn't know what a J-O-B is. doesn't make any sense to him. Um, And he's giving me this advice and just kind of, you know, holding the mirror gently and saying, look, you're not an employee. You own your business. You have power. You get to make choices. And it, it honestly took a couple of years before it really got like sunk in and got got in and I'm like oh my gosh so I can decide who I want to help which kinds of companies what they are focused on um I I can I can like interview them to see if it's a hot mess that I would be stepping into like where has this been um (laughs) and I love it and and ever since I started making that shift you know, not surprisingly, more money is coming in. I'm more empowered, and and I, and I would almost describe it as I am emboldened. You know, I mm-hmm. I operate with this power. I don't just feel empowered. I act that way. Um, I'm more decisive, and um, and I'm I'm a little bit more direct too. With like, this is how this is this is the way we're going to do this, versus asking mm-hmm. for their guidance and directions. I'm the expert. And thank goodness I finally got here because, oh, I would not wanted to have lived the rest of my years with my business doing it the old way. Y'all, don't do oh, that. So, <laughs> don't do that, no. So the lesson here is what, how would you encapsulate what you've just said into an idea or a concept? Because what I heard you say, you're emboldened, you're, you're owning it, you're um, – you're tell, as a consultant, you're telling clients what they need to do or what we're going to do uh, and rather mm. than asking permission. Um, I mean, so, so I, I get where you've come from and how you've gotten to this place. Is what, what is the, the nugget here that if I was a brand-new entrepreneur, what would you tell me? What would you tell me to do to start getting, like, better results from the get-go? Hmm. I would tell you that your tendency is going to be to play small and to feel small, that all of your instincts are going to guide you into a smaller box and that you would do yourself a huge disservice, that you would be doing your clients a huge disservice, your family a huge disservice if you did not spend the time to go inside and find what is unique about you. Where, mm. where have you had success? And then start looking for the patterns and follow those patterns. It's almost like reverse engineering. And really the business coach that helped me the most had me do that. She had me kind of reverse engineer into where is my expertise? Um, because I did all this stuff, I had all these great results, but until she started asking me these questions with, well, what's different between you and, you know, like your colleagues? And she made it really soft and easy, so I didn't feel bad about bragging or pointing out that I have, like, saved people's jobs uh, with what I do. Mm-hmm. But, 
until she did that, I just really didn't recognize that I had something unique, true value. And, and I think that's probably what uh, early entrepreneurs, I think that's the biggest struggle. I think it's all in, internal. It's an inside mm-hmm. job. Yeah, I think you might be right. <laughs> I know, darn it is right. <laughs> yeah, if we only could hold a mirror up to ourselves and see what others see automatically, right. for the most part, you know, um, when we're not paying attention. <laughs> yeah, so true. Words. So how, I know, words, yes, exactly. So can you describe for me kind of what you are doing now? What does that, what are you doing now? What What is your business all about? Oh, I'm having so much fun right now. Um, <laughs> I, I've literally gone from being like an order taker who had no employee benefits, who had no vacation, no health care, you know. And I am now the owner of a learning development company. And that company helps value-based companies with less than 2,500 employees to resolve the kind of common dysfunctional workplace relationships that can creep up. Um, and that helps them really maximize the fullest potential of their teams, but also help their customers, right? Because they as an organization have made promises to their customers. And right. I mean, in this day and age with consumerism, you, you can't, you can't slack on that. Um, and I love it. And I love that I get to work with those conscientious um, companies. There's a term out there called conscious capitalism and I love it. And, it, and it's those kinds of companies that recognize, um, okay, we, we've done like, we're getting money in, but we need to get it back out, right? There, it's a cycle. It's yeah. not just I'm going to suck up all the money and give everybody giant bonuses. No, it's um, our intention. Like Tom's Shoes is a good example. Um, you know, you buy a pair of Tom's Shoes, they're going to give a pair to somebody in a third world country. And I love those kinds of clients. And I love being able to, to pick and choose who I want to work with. Um, and I look for those, those uh, organizations that understand the importance of setting people up for success. And and mm. and without my company's help, I feel like their leaders would probably continue justifying like spending all these long hours on on tactical work instead of strategic work because for them it's just easier to do it themselves or it's easier than having that difficult conversation. Uh, and I yeah, and I get that. Mm-hmm. And I'm Absolutely. hearing you get that too. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, and definitely. You if we don't fall for that kind of stuff, it kills the workplace culture. Um, it diminishes the productivity of everyone. Um, and it just, it can ignite the kind of frustration or gossip or what have you that just, it, it, it costs, it costs money. It hits the bottom line. So I love mm-hmm. that, um, that what I'm doing helps people first, people in the position first. That's my, my first focus. But then it also helps these companies um, do great things in this world. And, um, you know, man, what a joy. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I can tell you're a little excited about it, which is even nicer. I get excited. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit because I am curious, and I ask all of my podcast guests this, who or what has had the biggest influence on you becoming the person you are today? I think it's nice to check back in and go, how did we get here? Who had the biggest influence or what had the biggest influence? And who is it or what is it for you? You know, 
putting my fantastic mother um, ever so gently to the side on her pedestal. Um, I would <laughs> say the, the the person, without a doubt, the man, the name just pops right in my head, and that's Robert Bear. Robert Bear of New Orleans, Louisiana. Where are you? <laughs> he is. Um, oh my gosh, he opened the door for my training career back when I was working for the bank. Um, they were they were going to change the whole system and the sales process of the entire bank, and they wanted to do it all at one time. Like they wanted to literally flip a switch so that the next day it was a different platform system, and oh, by the way, mm-hmm. now you're consultative sales folks. And so, yeah, not – I mean, it was a fairly daunting <laughs> challenge. So their, their process was to hire this guy, Robert, who was brilliant, and uh, he said, okay, we're going to create a SWAT team. I'm going to hire 10 people from the different regions of the bank, bring them all here to New Orleans, teach them everything, and then turn them loose. So, so I got to be on the SWAT team, and then after it was done, I was honored to be asked by the head of corporate education to come in and redo the entire onboarding program because, of course, now everything's totally out of date. Um, oh, sure. And so that's how I really I got in. But the thing about Robert that made the difference here, and I I use this myself still to this day when I'm hiring, whether it's vendors, uh, contractors, employees, is hire for attitude, not for skill. Ah. If he had been looking for somebody with skill, he would not have hired me. I was not a trainer. I had never gotten up in front of anyone and spoken. Um, I didn't understand instructional design or adult learning methodologies or Bloom's taxonomy. <laughs> so he opened <laughs> that door, and as is the case in my life, I did really well and was asked to take a, the next role, which was the next move up. Um, and I've I've never I've never lost lost I guess my passion or my hunger for it. And the other thing that I think was really cool about Robert. I dug him so much. He was such a good manager. Um, we'd come to him occasionally and we'd complain, you know, like the operations department is, um, they're not doing this or they're not doing that or wh- whomever it was. And he would look at us with his kind, empathetic eyes and he'd say, okay, well, I'll go to fight for you just as soon as all of your ducks are in a row. Oh. And what did he mean by that, though? That's pretty That's pretty cool, though. I mean, because he had your back, but he wanted to make sure something else was in, in order first. That mean, yeah. What did that mean exactly? I think it was his way of, of guiding us to really look exceptionally close at what we were producing and look from somebody else's perspective. Like, what holes could they shoot in the way we were doing things? Um, uh, so I don't it. think anyone's perfect. I think that's what he was saying without saying it, you know, like as soon as you're mm-hmm. perfect. And, and there were times where we did, we would come to him and we had it all flushed out and we had our plan B's and uh, we had, we had reasons for why everything was structured the way it was. And there were a couple of times where he's like, yep, I totally get it. All right. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll go have a meeting. And, and he would go fight for us. Um, and, you know, whether that was, <laughs> whether that was really wise, which it definitely was, or maybe it was almost like self-preservation for him. Why would a manager ever want to go fight with another manager of another department if that if they could cast blame backwards? Like, you know what, if there was mm. something that they could say, well, that's all nice that you want us to do this, but until you have fixed this, um, why should we? And 
um, I, I think it was a good, I think it was wise really on both sides and watching him, he was a great, great leader. And so that's what I love about helping managers today because I know the impact he had on my life. My, my life, my family, my career trajectory was this wonderful, uh, I mean, his title might have said manager, but he was a leader to me. And so when I go into organizations and I can help leaders understand themselves, understand their team members, understand um, even the nature of politics, you know, corporate politics, and help them navigate that and find uh, the truth, which is typically not as bad as you think it is, um, and allow them to start having conversations where, uh, you know, things move forward and there's no more frustration. Oh, my gosh. It, I, I, I know the ripple effect. And so I'm, again, just honored that I get to play in that space. Thanks That's to Robert cool. Bear. Who, who, who uh, I still, applause for Robert Bear. Still, uh, right? Round of applause. Yeah. Um, once, when I That's finally great. left that organization, I wrote him a letter. And, and he... Every time I talk to him, which is just every few years, he'll remind me of this letter. It was on purple stationery, handwritten, <laughs> and I told him what a great, great, great manager he was. And um, a couple of times I happened to see him in person, and he had his work backpack with him, and he pulled that thing out. Oh, he still had it. That's great. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's really cool. <laughs> okay. We're going to take a quick break and talk about teamwork. Everyone is a member of some kind of team, a work team, a family team, even a volunteer team. And the truth is, very few of them work well. In fact, think about your work team. Is it producing the results you expect? Do all of the team members get along and communicate well with one another? If you answered no to either of these two questions, then you already know that your team is not operating at its fullest potential. To get a better idea of where the dysfunction lies within your team, you need to take a closer look at how the team currently functions. To do that, visit my website and take the free Team Mastery Assessment. You can find it at simplythebestresults.com forward slash team. Once you complete the assessment, I'll send you the results along with a few recommendations of things that you can do immediately to begin creating a more cohesive and high-functioning team. You know, your team doesn't have to continue to operate in a dysfunctional way. You can start making a change today. Again, that website is simplythebestresults.com forward slash team. Now, back to our program. The relationship, well, one, man, it's what makes the world go round, even at work. Oh, I know. The, the, really, I agree completely. Relationships are everything. Yeah. So speaking of relationships, if you could go back in time and have a conversation with your younger self, what would you tell her? What would guidance would you give her? Mm, that's a good question, Cheryl. Well, thank you. Um, Dear young Sarah, <laughs> I would I would tell her because I've only just shaken this um, the last few years. I would tell her to learn, but don't over prepare. It's it creates stress and it's taking more time away from other things. So learn, but don't over prepare. Prepare. I would tell her that 
those butterflies you feel, they're not bad. They actually mean that you care, that you're invested in what you're about to do. It doesn't mean that you're incapable or unworthy. I would And I would tell her to whiteboard everything because when she sits there and stares at the paper with pen in hand and nothing's coming, every single time I have gotten up to whiteboard it, like things start flowing. So hello, uh, young Sarah, please just get up off your tuchus and walk over the whiteboard or something, something, anything. And then then the other thing that I would have loved to have known, hopefully my younger self would have taken all this advice, would be – don't let the good advice of others define your path. Ooh, that's there's a, a good lot, one. There's a lot of good advice out there. I think I'm mm-hmm. giving good advice right now, but it doesn't necessarily apply to everybody every single time. And I've gotten off my path, and I've spent tens of thousands of dollars trying to force fit, you know, the round peg and the square hole because – it was good advice and it made sense at the time. So that Mm -hmm. that kind of goes back to, you know, going inward and knowing yourself and being willing to be honest, which I think it is so hard to be honest with ourselves. That's why therapists are, you know, doing well. (laughs) It is hard for us to do it on our own. And, uh, and that's, that's the key. No, no doubt about it. Yes. Well, we definitely have, all of us have blind spots. So, I mean, it's a little hard to see the center of your back. I don't know, even a contortionist probably cannot see the center of her or his back. So, anyway, that being said, (laughs) blind spot, yeah. (laughs) So, tell me, what is next for you? Um, What are you focusing on? And yet we are in the middle of a, the pandemic, and we really don't know exactly what the future holds, but I'm sure you've been thinking about it even before this came about. And I'm wondering what's, what's next on the horizon for you. Yeah. Well, good news. I'm super busy. Um, bad news. It's at the cost of, news. you know, others, right, with the pandemic. But um, I am converting. I have so many clients that have me converting their, their in-person classes to virtual classes and providing a lot of expertise and guidance around making that move. Um, So that's just kind of been the side thing that I know and that I do that, you know, if they need it and they're my clients, then obviously this time requires that we help everyone that we can. Um, But as far as my business, my company, um, I I am uh, growing it. Like the year of 2020 is the year of growth. For, uh, for me and my company. And so I've positioned, I've been meeting with people, um, additional instructional designers, additional facilitators. Um, I am really honing in. I'm getting closer to the circle on my back um, with the help of other people uh, as far as who my target market is. And, and I think this is important for any business owner. That's another piece of advice I might have given myself. Like, don't sweat the fact that you're going to make adjustments along the way. Um, it's rare that any business stays the course for ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, right? It, it mm-hmm. almost could be at the detriment of that business. So I'm using this time, my <laughs> my spare time when I sleep, um, to 
to evaluate and determine what makes the most sense for me and my company going forward. And I really do still think it's in the space of workplace relationships. So um, I'll be shifting some of the, like I've done like a lot of work at home tips on LinkedIn um, just to mm-hmm. help some of those rookies out there who aren't as familiar with the pitfalls um, as, as I am. And I'll be shifting those tips to be talking more about um, running effective remote meetings, for example, um, connecting to their team members, to their customers. How the heck do you do that when you're, you don't have body language and you don't have um, those visual cues, you know? And, and how do you get comfortable in front of that doggone camera with Zoom or WebEx or where, <laughs> whatever you're using? Um, because, again, people, people always buy from people, and people follow leaders. And I do believe the leaders still are people too. So I'm staying in that space and just um and just being grateful, honestly. That's awesome. Oh, I'm sure all of that's gonna make a major contribution to people and I'm so glad that you're offering that. And keep up the good work because I know you're making a difference out there. Oh, yeah. thank you. You're welcome. Well, before we go today, before we wrap up our show today, I want to make sure that that I take a moment to make sure that people know how to reach you. So how would you like them to reach you? Um, the Yeah, the I would love it if people would connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, and the way you can search, well, I can give you the URL. Um, because anytime you have a, uh, never mind, back up, beep, beep, beep. Here's how you can find me on LinkedIn. (laughs) Search for Sarah Russell Speaker. If you want the URL, it's linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Sarah Russell Speaker. That's where I spend most of my time. But, of course, folks are welcome to email me directly. I'm I'm not shy. My email is sarah at gobeyond10.com. That is a website I'm also redoing right now in my spare time. And, um, you know, if they want to give me a call, shoot me a text, I'm I'm down with it, man. I'm 512-687-6234. I am here to serve. Wonderful. So I'm going to repeat that. You can... Email her at sarah at gobeyond10, that's T-E-N, dot com, and her phone number is 512-687-6234. All righty. Sarah, thank you so much for being our guest today. I just so appreciate your insights and your willingness to share what you've learned through your experiences, and I wish you all the best in all that you're doing, and just... Air hugs to you since we're on a podcast mm. and I can't hug you. And it's that time right. where we can't hug anyway. So, right. <laughs> so well, I wish you all all the best. <laughs> thank you. And thank you. Just a uh, boomerang back to you for what it is that you're doing and creating for others. I mean, getting the simply the best result doesn't come by, you know, resting on your laurels. And you're actually providing tools and resources for people to be able to do that. So well done, you. Well, thank you, Sarah. I appreciate that. And thank you all for listening to us today. Um, I hope that you've gained some really cool insights and information. And we will see you on our next podcast. Until then, take care and stay healthy and well. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star rating. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. To connect with me, Cheryl C. Jones, you can find me on LinkedIn and Facebook by my name. Don't forget that Cheryl is spelled with a C-H and be sure to include my middle initial, the letter C. 
you're welcome to email me at Cheryl at simplythebestresults.com or visit my website of www.simplythebestresults.com for more information and inspiration. This has been a GSTBR production created and hosted by me, Cheryl C. Jones, edited by Brandy Hockaday and produced by Kathy Holscher. New episodes are available each Thursday on Apple, Stitcher, Spreaker, Google, and many other podcast directories. Thanks for joining us this week, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.